0: As we prepare to receive God's word for us, let us pray for illumination. Prepare our hearts, Holy One, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that, hearing, we may also obey your good and life-giving will. In Christ, amen. Our first scripture reading comes from the book of Deuteronomy, from the Hebrew Scriptures. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Our second reading comes from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The gift he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped. As each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Holy wisdom, holy word. Gracious and
1: holy God, we give you thanks for the wisdom of your word and for the practices of faith that bring us closer to you. Surround us now with your peace and joy and open to us the miracles of your wisdom. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this week we're continuing a series we started last Sunday. For the the next several weeks, we are following the lead of our children as we worship. Specifically, that means that the scriptures they are learning in their Sunday school curriculum are the same ones we are studying in our worship. The month of September in Sunday School is dedicated to Christ's invitation to follow me. And this week's focus in Sunday School is what it means to follow, not just as individuals, but as a community who follows Christ together. Our culture, and the way that it tends to talk about faith, often treats faith as an individual matter. But the roots of our faith, both in the Old and the New Testaments, have always, been, have always meant for this to be a journey that we are on together. As it has been said, if you think you are privately saved or enlightened, you are probably neither saved nor enlightened. And so today, we are talking about following Christ together. The first reading we heard came from the book of Deuteronomy. And I'm really glad that this is the reading our children are hearing in Sunday school today. While the book of Deuteronomy may not be the most familiar one for many of you, this passage of Scripture is absolutely fundamental to the Jewish tradition. It is the tradition that Jesus claimed as his own, and it is the tradition we as Christians inherited from one that came before us. Now, most Sunday school children in most Christian churches learn at some point that Jesus is asked in his ministry, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? And that Jesus answers, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. But today, our children in Knox's Sunday school are learning where that answer came from. Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy. The word Deuteronomy means second giving of the law. And this book tells the story of Moses and the Hebrews after the exodus from Egypt. They, as the story goes, the Hebrews cross the Red Sea into freedom and they come into a wilderness where they will wander for 40 years. They're wandering in search of the promised land. The Hebrews had been slaves in Egypt for many generations. And they are impossibly tethered to their enslaved way of life. So much so that they need a sort of buffer between that former life and the one they are seeking in the promised land in order for them to get there. It's kind of like being in an abusive relationship that one knows the need to escape but just keeps going back. And so in order to make that break, the Hebrews will wander in the wilderness for 40 years, trying to forget about slavery. And the generation that left Egypt, they will die in the wilderness, and a new generation will be born, and it is that generation that inherits the promised land. It is an expansive example of the often talked about idea that we want a better life for our children. The core message of the story of Deuteronomy is how God's way of life, God's law, God's way of freedom and not slavery, how this message gets passed on from the first generation to the next. And the summary of that message is this morning's reading. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Not the Pharaoh you left back in Egypt. Our God is the Lord. You shall love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These are words that are foundational to Jewish life. The words are a mantra meant to be carried with God's people every place they go in life. And so the next words of the scripture we heard are just as important as the command itself. Keep these words I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise bind them as a sign upon your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This idea of carrying the mantra with you everywhere you go is embedded in Jewish life and reinforced in their law in countless ways. None of these ways are a big deal all on their own, but collectively they shape a life of faith. Many of you, I am sure, have visited the home of a Jewish friend who has kept this commandment by affixing a small Torah scroll on the doorpost of their home. Perhaps you have seen them touch it with their hand as they enter the home or leave it. It is a reminder of God's presence with them every place they go. It is foundational to life, this reminder. And all of the practices of Jewish life, from teaching children the stories in, in Hebrew school to Shabbat dinners or seders at Passover, all of these things are ways of keeping the mantra present in one's life and passing it on to the next generation. Christian people do many of these same things, and that is an important reminder because we often lose the sight of the power of our own traditions when they become familiar to us. But our routines and traditions, the ways we teach the faith, are important as well. What are the ways God is present and obvious in the life that you live and in the words that you say to yourself and to people around you? Do you read Bible stories to your children at night or say a blessing when you sit down at the dinner table? Are those same traditions observed at family gatherings and grandparents' houses? Are there comments that are made in your home like rising in the morning and asking out loud, I wonder what blessings God has in store for us today. I often find myself saying things to my children like, son, do you realize how blessed we are that God has given us this full refrigerator and this roof over our head? Do you invite... And do you remind your family to pray for victims of the earthquake in Morocco, or the floods in Libya, or the car accident we just passed on the road, or the person you know in school whose family is suffering? Do you pray for them? None of these things are monumental tasks on their own. We attend funerals. We celebrate weddings and baptisms, and we take our children along with us. We engage in practices of gathering with other Christians for study or prayer or service. And none of us does all of these things every single day. And many of us do some of them and not others, but do not miss the power of the collective whole. Taken together, these are the practices that shape a Christian life. They are the ways that by repetition and ritual we teach our children and we remind ourselves to write on the doorposts of our lives the things that we believe. The New Testament passage adds an important dimension to how we think about carrying God's word with us throughout the day. In the letter to the Ephesians, Paul reminds his followers that we are not all alike. We are not all alike. There are countless different ways to follow Jesus, and we each do it differently depending on the gifts and skills with which we have been blessed. Paul uses the language that in the Christian community, some are apostles while others are prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and others teachers. And then he goes on to say that the whole body is joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, and promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. It is easy to dismiss this passage as an archaic Bible talk that has little to do with the way any of us live. But what Paul is saying here is that every one of us is gifted with a distinctive life and a set of unique gifts. And for any one of us, those things can be expressive of God's love in the world. So some of us Connect with God's love most readily through sharing the gift of music, while others find it in communing with and caring for nature. Some of you find that academic study of the Bible helps you to grow in faith, and others of you grow when you are out beyond the walls of this place serving the poor or working for systemic social change. Some of you grow in your own faith by sharing it with someone else and inviting them to church. Others by participating in our caring and grief ministries as you help someone navigate pain and loss in life. As Paul said it, some are apostles sent out to serve. Others are prophets, working to change systems and structures that cause harm. Some are evangelists, bringing new people to church. Some are pastors, which in this context means help and care for those who are struggling. And some are teachers, passing on the traditions of worship and music. These are the things Paul was talking about. Every one of us, as he says has a gift to share. You don't have to have all the gifts, but you'd better get busy using the one you've got. Additionally, I love Paul's use of the word ligaments as he talks about how the body of Christ is knit together. The word religion may conjure up for many of you a series of strict laws or rituals, but the word itself is different than that. The root religio is like a re-ligament or reconnection of us with God and with one another and with the world God has made. The church of the Ephesians was a diverse community. Ephesus was an active port with people from all over the region. And through that word ligament, Paul says that they are to bind one another together in a whole body of different kinds of people. We're all here together trying to grow in faith in a way that none of us can do on our own not a one of us is likely to have all of the gifts this community needs we all bring something and none of us can do it alone i often hear other parents at school or on the sidelines talk about the importance of team sports in shaping young lives When kids play soccer or basketball or swimming or cross-country, they learn about the importance of every teammate in securing a win. They learn to encourage one another. They are corrected when they blame someone else on the team for a loss. Music and theater and plenty of other disciplines teach our young people the very same lessons. But sometimes... In our individualistic, spiritual but not religious, Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior world, we forget that church is supposed to work the very same way. Here, we celebrate all kinds of gifts, and we accept all kinds of imperfections, and we learn to be gracious toward one another because Christ has been gracious and accepting toward us. Last week I spent a good amount of the sermon treating the children's scripture as a simple one, and then layering it with the more challenging questions we ask about it as adults. This week's challenge to the adults is different. I think the things we're talking about this morning are frequently forgotten by adults. I am as guilty as as anyone. Whether the model is sports or orchestra or church, whether we're talking about the importance of encouragement or appreciating a variety of gifts, or the importance of being grateful and saying, thankful, th- saying thank you, these lessons are frequently forgotten among adults and I am as guilty as anyone. And I believe that whether you are a child or an adult, the only way to get better is by practice throughout a life and every single day. And that's the point of the Deuteronomy lesson. You have to give yourself little reminders everywhere you go and all the time to love God and to love your neighbor. You have to write those words on the doorposts of your house or on the door of your refrigerator or on your bathroom mirror or as a reminder from your cell phone calendar. You have to teach them to your children at sunrise and at meals and at bedtime invoking the name of God every chance you get. We have to remember that these things are not just a lesson to them but reminders to ourselves. And so we have to talk about them at home and at church and as we learn and study and serve together we have to find ways all kinds of little ways that fit our life and our particular gifts and also ways that challenge you in your own situation to love the lord your god with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind this is the task both for children And for adults, love the Lord your God. Keep these words in your heart. Recite them and talk about them to your children. Write them upon the doorposts of your life. Amen.